morning crypto good morning warriors hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel good morning crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from a top crypto research team in the world i'm your host abs joined by several members of our 3t family this morning we got the italian stallion mr johnny crypto Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building, and we got Andrew Cashflow joining us on this Monday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how the Ripple case has been dismissed, leaving us with more questions than answers. But worry not, as we navigate through the intricate web of connections between US financial firms and the RPL, could they possibly be hinting at the release of a gold product that could revolutionize the market over the coming year? As JP Morgan has adopted a remarkably bullish stance on Bitcoin, only predicting an imminent approval of Bitcoin ETF. As this stage is set for a monumental shift into digital assets, we break down the details, showing our community how this could be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple. And for those of you listening to our podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, take the floor because I guess I'm freezing on this introduction. Uh, I don't know if it's my computer or yours, but anyway, good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you for showing up every single day, Abs. We got another beautiful week in front of us as we get closer to the end of October, putting it behind us. But I'm happy to be here today with our friends and brothers, Andrew and Gonzo. Can't wait to hop into it. Absolutely, guys. I'm going to kick it to the live chat. Let me know who I'm sounding now. Someone said he sounds like a robot. I am not AI for the record, but (laughs) we're going to keep it up with the crypto content this morning. We had a bunch of great stuff prepared. We're going to talk about the Ripple automated market maker. But first, we're starting off with trillions flooding into the crypto market and Tika Tawari commenting on that as well. So a bunch of great news prepared. How are you feeling and how was your weekend? Yeah, I I had a great weekend. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody, wherever you are in the world. Uh, Nice to be here again with you uh, guys. I had a great weekend. My mother turned uh, 84. So we had a nice party, and uh, we are all human beings, and also interested in crypto and AI and all kinds of stuff. So, uh, you know, it's promising to be a, a great show again today. Things are happening finally in the crypto market because it was boring, but now things are happening, and uh, and maybe uh, yeah, it's it's go- going up a little bit. So uh, let's see what happens, and uh, looking forward to a great show. A lot of exciting news prepared for today, Andrew, and we're going to talk about how trillions are flooding into the crypto market. I put an interesting thread out over the weekend, got like zero engagement, talking about Tesla robots and how they may impact the economy over the next 10 years. Maybe we'll talk about it today, but before we do any of that, Gonzo, how are you feeling and how was your weekend? I'm feeling outstanding, man. Just really blessed to be here with you guys. Friday was a great show at the Bearable Bowl, so that was really cool. But yeah, man, I had a great weekend. Um, Just worked on my videos. Uh, for 3T Espanol and some Merlin stuff. Um, but, uh, and then got to spend some time with my granddaughter. So that was really awesome. Like, I'm just a sucker. Like, she's got me wrapped around her little finger. Like, uh, it, it was hilarious. Like, you know, that little girl's going to say jump and I'm going to say how high. That's awesome, Gonzo. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TG Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button, guys. Got 500 followers. That just goes to show we're putting content on this channel and I'm giving updates throughout the day. When we check some of the daily movers this morning, crypto, it is green across the board. And I'm going to kick it to you really briefly. I know I'm having a little bit of issues. I just want to make sure. Am I coming in clear? 
Yeah, it's like uh, it, it skips or it's choppy, like almost like this weird echo thing. Well, that means I'm but, gonna have to give Johnny Crypto a quick layup to get the show yeah. started. The blockchain backer put out a very interesting tweet on the weekend. He said Bitcoin is able to maintain these prices for the rest of today on Sunday. It will close the week above the 50 week, 100 week, and 200 week moving average. We're gonna get into X and we're gonna talk about Chainlink and Swift collaborating. I think this is a great place to start, on. So what do you see on the price chart right now? We're getting a lot of positive news. Looks like the chart is also optimistic. Yeah, you know, um, what I'm looking for, I was just talking to Mario about this this morning, is let's just call it 32,000, right? Uh, what I see there is one big ass head and shoulders. Now, not being bearish or negative about it, that's just the pattern, right? In order to invalidate that head and shoulders, we need to get above 32,000, make a new high because our high came in during the summer. And if we can break that and then hold it as support, then yeah, uh, there's a really, uh, you can see like as the price fell, there's price gaps where price accelerates. It accelerates up and down. And so if we break 32, invalidate the head and shoulders, and then there's a price gap between like 32 and I think it's like 36,000, right? I think there's a CME gap that's up there also. So I think everyone's just kind of waiting to see what happens, but it all starts with breaking the high from the summer. If we can break that, um, then we're doing something kind of uh, different than we've done in the past. Johnny Crypto, they do call you the Italian stallion. And we often talk about how on this channel, it's about who you know, not what you know. And the relationships in the crypto market are paving the way today. Today, we're going to break down a very interesting story. And I just want to make sure my audio is coming in clear. My camera is coming in clear. So people in the live chat, throw a one if my audio is coming in clear. Throw a two if I'm coming in a little bit spotty this morning. But the Chamber of Digital Commerce opposes the SEC's overreach in the Binance lawsuit. And that's what we're going to be breaking down right now, because when you look at the members of who who's in the digital commerce group or the chamber of digital commerce, it is the biggest names on the planet. Fidelity, Binance, MicroStrategy. But here's what's really interesting, guys. We got Visa here as well, as well as MasterCard. But BNY Mellon, Ripple, and Stellar are also a part of this collaboration. And we've even got a Wisdom Tree collaboration down here. We're going to explain how they could be offering a tokenized gold product later in the episode. We already have 252 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and get ready for an interesting video. Johnny Crypto, this is Tika Tawari talking about how the floodgates are about to open for the crypto market. You either prepare to become one of the new rich in America or you're going to slide into becoming one of the new poor. This is your one chance to get in on what may be the biggest crypto event of the decade because for the first time, Cryptocurrencies were rapidly getting adopted in a unique way. So while they're pushing socialism on millions of Americans quietly, they're making one of the biggest investments in cryptocurrency we've ever seen. Yes. You see, they know this is the only solution everyday folks have left to escape financial corruption. PayPal is launching their own crypto stablecoin to their 430 million active users. Look, the list goes on. The point is, Trillions of dollars will soon flood into the crypto market in an absolute frenzy. John, people forget that crypto went from nothing to $1.1 trillion as an asset class with zero institutional support. Wow, zero. What do you think will happen now the world's deepest pockets are pumping money in? Yeah. Now, stop connecting the dots with the world's biggest institutions worth over $25 trillion all investing into crypto, which is still only worth $1.1 in its entirety. 
This is going to be like a dam breaking. Johnny Crypto, we are on the precipice of something we have never seen before. And we're going to talk about Ripple's role in this whole picture because Ripple in the USA, for a long time, we thought they were on opposite sides. It turns out they're on opposite sides of the same coin, my friend. And we got 273 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, I want to hear, before we get into the details here, we're going to talk about BlackRock, all these financial firms' connections here. But what do you take away from Tika Tuari admitting we're on the precipice of something we've never seen before? Well, I think Tiki watches our show. I mean, we've been saying the same thing for the longest time, that there's a major, major change happening in Web 2.0, the 3.0, huge liquidity event that's going to happen with the Bitcoin ETF. The thing I encourage people, like when you watch Tiki and you watch that video, remember, he's trying to sell you something. He's trying to sell you his program. So that whole thing, he's just building it up to get you to go and buy his service, and it's not cheap to get into his thing. The thing I like, you know, so it's great, but what's awesome is you can come here and get the same kind of information and we ain't selling you anything. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just telling you how we feel. But it is awesome, you know, when you think about what he's saying, he's right in the aspect that I don't know if it was zero institutional money at all in the zero to one trillion making, but we do know for sure. I'm sure there was some money that got in there, but we do know for sure that when we get that Bitcoin ETF, there is going to be a massive flood of all kinds of money. That's going to come into it. Plus, the whole narrative that crypto is a scam is almost instantly going to start to go away. Because once once Bitcoin is approved, and the reason why I say that is a lot of people confuse the word Bitcoin with crypto. They're kind of integrated into the same thing, even though they're not. But people do kind of just consider them all one thing. That whole halo effect is going to cause this whole, like I say, you know, high tide right raises all boats kind of effect that i think we're gonna see abs and that's why like it's so exciting we're just sitting here we're on the sidelines we're all loaded our bags are full and we're just waiting for all this stuff to come and we know the next you know maybe starting next year and from there on after it's gonna be exciting times it's gonna be like 1997 98 you know all over again really really exciting times Andrew Cashflow, and we got some great indications that right now is something like we've never seen before. Companies like BlackRock, JP Morgan, Wisdom Tree, the biggest companies on the planet are finally excited about cryptocurrency. And like me and Johnny say, the only reason they're talking about it is because they're ready to profit off of this technology. That's what we're going to break down really quick before I kick it over to you and Gonzo. The SEC is likely to approve a spot Bitcoin ETF in the next few months, says JP Morgan. And this is a Twitter thread I put out over the weekend. JP Morgan reveals that Bitcoin's rise is driven by optimism about a Bitcoin ETF product. The SEC's decision not to appeal Grayscale last week paves the way for the approval, marking a turning point for the cryptocurrency market. While the exact timing remains uncertain, approval is expected in the coming months, possibly before the January 10th deadline. ETFs, like stocks, provide a way for gateways to cryptocurrencies, offering affordability and accessibility to institutions. This green light may attract mainstream investments, attracting institutions and retail investors alike, transforming the cryptocurrency landscape. And if BlackRock and JP Morgan are now stating this, Andrew, who's standing in our way? That's the real question I have for you. The biggest enemies of the market are now optimistic about this technology. What do you take away from all these developments? <laughs> you know, the secret is they were all the time, they were already enthusiastic, only the message was different. So what, what do we need? We you know we all want the, the, the prices go up of the whole crypto market. So what we need is an inflow of money, an incredible inflow of money, so that that the whole market we are now in the market at 1.17 trillion. 
I mean, uh, with the last um, uh, uh, bull run, it was at the top, I think, around the two trillion. Um, we we need to go to two, four, eight trillion, and you know, and then you will you will see prices imaginable, un unimaginable. What 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 will happen? It it will take a while, but of course, it's an ex extremely good development. This ETF, and I I always have the idea that they will wait till a good moment to to. Yeah, to, to launch that that ETF because they they already have their 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 bags loaded at this moment already. So they are waiting till the price goes up and then they will launch the ETF and 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 then a lot of people will come in and buy Bitcoin at least at at, a, at an expensive price, you know. And that's why we say buy your Bitcoin on Coinbase or or another crypto exchange. Put it in a wallet. It's better for us who know how to how to deal with it. But you know, most of the money will indeed come from, uh, yeah, from from people that have a stock uh, a, a stock account, and on that uh, stock account you can also have, yeah, now in, in, in you you can trade some some Bitcoin and Bitcoin ETF. So it's it's an exact uh, an excellent uh, development, and I'm uh, looking forward to the to the price increase. Johnny Crypto, I don't know if you have any comments, but check out this detail. And we're going to continue to highlight this throughout the show. The Chamber of Digital Commerce is one of the most impactful cryptocurrency groups in America. And this is their statement right here. We represent the most dynamic, broad, and diverse set of companies in the digital asset and blockchain ecosystem. In collaboration with our members, we influence and change at, sorry, influence, change, and advocate for policies that encourage innovation and greater adoption of cryptocurrencies. And the reason we're highlighting this is because this group is now opposing the SEC's regulation of crypto in the United States. And when we go over the members, I don't think it's a big surprise. We've got Binance in here. We've got Ripple down here. We've got Stellar Foundation, but also Wells Fargo, Wisdom Tree, BNY Mellon, and a couple other trillion dollar groups are involved in this project. You got Visa right here. So there's no surprise to me. Fidelity, sorry, I keep jumping in, but these are humongous names. Johnny Crypto, all of these names are part of the same think tank. For the longest time, we thought the crypto economy was segregated. It's Ripple. It's Bitcoin Maximalist. It's the Ethereum group. Look behind the scenes, guys. All of these companies are a part of the Chamber of Digital Commerce, which, like they just said, is the most dynamic, broad, and diverse group of crypto companies in the blockchain ecosystem. And Johnny, we got 362 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to say thank you to every single one of you for being here on this Monday. We threw a lot of a lot of information at you there, Johnny. So whatever's on your mind, we'll kick it to Gonzo. All right, so let's bring it back. Slow it down. There's a lot there. So first of all, you skipped one of the biggest companies. I'm surprised you skipped over over Who Michael Saylor. Michael MicroStrategy, man, they got the biggest amount of Bitcoin there in the world. They both don't forget, 15% of them is owned by BlackRock. So BlackRock's theoretically in that group too. Well, of course, BlackRock owns almost all those companies, but no, it, there's a tremendous amount of influence there in this group um that that obviously like you said behind the scenes of course all these guys had their hands in the pie i mean there was no way they were gonna let this thing go forward and frankly there's no way web 3.0 can go forward without all of these companies uh having a say in this thing and helping to drive this thing forward so uh it doesn't surprise me at all i mean this is what this is how Again, when we were developing, you know, I keep going back to this example because it just makes perfect. It just fits perfectly. When we were developing a wireless communication protocol, we were trying to figure out, you know, all you guys say, you know, you use Bluetooth, right? You're all familiar with it. It's nothing to you. Let me tell you, 
20 years ago, we didn't know what it was going to be. There were tons of different things. And there were all these forums and committees that were together, you know, like this to come together. Hundreds of companies there. And we were all trying to figure out, you know, what's it going to be? What are we going to pick? What are we going to land? And once Apple said Bluetooth, you know, feel the follow, that's it. It was game over. This same kind of thing is happening here. And this happens all the time in technology. Just most people don't care about it. 90%, 95% of people don't even give a crap about it because they just want their phone to work or they want their technology to work. And they don't care how it happens. They don't care how the sausage is made. So no surprise there at all. I, I think that it's awesome that they're you know pushing back on the SEC, but it's also not surprising because they want the technology to move forward. And they know the SEC you know, is somewhat in a way hindering the ability for this technology to move forward. But either way, that's just a small bump in the road abs they will get past this moment and technology will this technology will flourish and the prices will skyrocket everybody you know who's in this space will probably do really really well in the future i just want to caution on one thing you know andrew and you talked about when this btc etf comes i don't know what people's expectations are if they think the day after it's approved the price is going to skyrocket but if you, if you, I don't know if you got the gold chart handy there, but if you look at the gold BTF, I just want to remind everybody that it took quite some time for gold to actually go from 300 to, I think, 2000. It didn't happen overnight. And, you know, just don't want people to have this expectation that tomorrow the BTC ETF gets approved and the next day we go from 30,000 to 350,000. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, I'm curious what the panel thinks here. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be a slow gradual as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. You'll get some boosts. But I don't think whatever that final number is going to be that we're going to get there within a week. I think it's going to take quite some time for that to happen. Gonzo, we just threw a lot of information at you. And I want to come back to the Bitcoin ETF aspect of all this. But first, we're going to address tokenization and how that is going to be the center stage when it comes to the narratives of the next crypto bull run. And this is what's so exciting, guys. Tokenization is something a lot of people don't understand. Think about it this way. You can tokenize anything and multiply its value. Gold, real estate, stocks, bonds, everything can have a tokenized derivative. And that's what we're talking about in this video. So here's 20 seconds and we'll kick it to Gonzo. Today, um, it really tries to capture the mammoth size of the ma um, market opportunity, um, addressing more than 1,700 trillion uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in assets, which are likely to become digital. Um, digitization of all the world's assets, traditional markets, uh, adoption of crypto uh, currencies, and the tokenization of real-world assets. This is the size of the addressable market, and this is the market in which we see a huge opportunity to, to participate. So, so that's the gist of it. She goes on to elaborate there, Gonzo, but think about it. $1.7 quadrillion is what they're anticipating in tokenized assets. And she said it there, cryptocurrencies, gold, stocks, bonds. Everything is going to have a tokenized derivative. And that's why people like Larry Fink are so excited about this technology. Money talks and BS walks. That goes for crypto as well. So what do you take away from all this news? Um, yeah. So as far as the tokenized assets, the way that I look at it is um, think about the Internet and how as the Internet developed, um, it made a frictionless system for information to just flow. Right. You had all these different like networks that were closed off and they opened up so that there could be uh, a, a flowless uh, or a seamless flow of information, right? Like we're all in different parts of the, of the, of the U S and we're doing a show, right? 
the, the information just flows freely, right? And so it's the same thing for tokenized assets. It's a way for value to be able to be um, like moved quickly. Uh, you could take gold, sell it for something in like a Japanese stock market, right? It's just being able to uh, just move that value across different um, networks or different platforms. Um, as far as the, um, the Bitcoin thing, like what Johnny was talking about, um, yeah, you know, what I'm curious to see is what happens once the market absorbs the ETF and all the hype and all of the buying that's going to happen comes in. What happens after that, right? What happens a month or two after that? Where are we in the macro cycle of what's going on, right? We have that war narrative going on. We have the Fed, you know, are they continuously still raising rates or are they holding us, right? Because if that price action can't sustain, right, we're going to come back down. And if you think about what happens with the Bitcoin halving, I mean, yes, overall in the macro and the Bitcoin halving is a good thing, right? Price action starts to move up, but we do get like a correction, right? So think about it. We can move up to, let's say we move up to $50,000, right? 50000 something thousand dollars. If we get a 50% correction, which sometimes we get anywhere between a 20, 40, 50% correction right before the halving, that brings us back down to like 25K. So it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, but I do think we're going to get some positive price action that's going to break some levels. Uh, and then we'll see how it gets absorbed and what happens after that. Yeah, we're going to explain. Oh, go ahead, Johnny. Abs, I just want to chime in here. I think it's important. You know, when I said that people saying you can't compare gold to digital assets, uh, gold ETF didn't have social media. All right, let me explain something, guys. You're right about those things, but let's remember this. That's not what drives the price. It's the way institutional money puts their funds into it. And that hasn't changed. So regardless, will more people be aware? Yeah. But will the way we fundamentally invest money, the way institutions invest in, you know, 20 and 2000 versus the way they do today change? No, it isn't going to matter. I still think that it's not going to be one of those things where it's going to happen overnight you know and then gonzo i'm like i'm in the same camp as you i'm not I'm not sure what it's gonna do uh all i do know is there is gonna be a ton of flood uh, of money coming into it at some point 401k everybody's gonna be talking about it. everybody's gonna be invested but for it to get fully fully saturated with everybody in it 401ks eh, you know school system you know money institutional money you know union money retail money and everybody else's money that's gonna take take some time and I'm curious to see what that time is going to take and what that lag looks like um, to get there. But nonetheless, yeah, we'll get a bump and it will continue to go up. I think that's the good news. But how long? Very interesting. We'll see. Johnny Crypto, here's the thing we have to consider, right? Who were the biggest sellers of the cryptocurrency market back in 2017 and 2021? We know institutions were using the shorting market, the ability to short the cryptocurrency market to their advantage, meaning... Many of these big firms were selling cryptocurrency assets, which led to a fall in their price. My question that I have for you, Gonzo and Andrew, and let's start with you, Johnny Crypto. Who is going to be selling these assets in 2025? We know where the buying pressure is going to be. Where's the selling pressure coming from? Um, You know, people who've been buying much earlier, right? You know, BlackRock in at 15,000. You know, MicroStrategies in at 30,000. So when these things start to go up, I mean, there'll be some profit taking. No question about it. There always is. The smart money doesn't 
the smart money always takes profit abs that's the difference that's why we created you know it's perfect time why we created merlin to help you think like the way the smart money thinks stay on the question and and feel free to collaborate with merlin in your answer again i i don't mind at all i actually think it's perfect because guys if you're going to make money in crypto you have to take profit on your assets and that's what these institutions do but that's what that i have yeah the question these guys are originally and i'm going to kick it right to you gonzo is Who's going to be selling these assets in 2025? Like you said, BlackRock, MicroStrategies, they all own Bitcoin around 20, 15,000. That means for them, they're going to want to make as much profit as possible. So I don't see a lot of selling pressure coming until we at least break all-time high again. And the charts, they're showing a breakout to 40, 50,000 right now. I can only imagine when we get these ETF products approved. Gonzo, I'd love to kick it to you. Yeah, so you remember, these guys have to follow certain laws and regulations. They're governed, right? And so, yeah, that it's it's like you, you have to accept that evil, right? Like these guys are getting into it to like the ethos. I think Microsoft is a bit different with Michael Saylor and the ethos of Bitcoin and how he promotes it and how they just buy and hold. These guys are in it to make money. They're not here to further the the narrative of Bitcoin or, or the ethos of, of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. They're here to profit, right? And so you're right. Um, not just because of the regulation that they're going to have to do some rebalancing, but at some point there is going to be sell pressure, right? These guys are going to dump. Just like the miners have to sell to survive, these guys are in this to make money. And when they hit a certain point or a certain level, like you're talking about, Abs, they're going to sell. Spot on, Gonzo. And we got 451 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, I think JP Morgan is going to have an exit plan. I don't know if they're using Merlin. So let's, I, we're going to talk a lot of Ripple news. We're only 25 minutes into the show. Let's continue with what we're on right now. And we'll wrap a bow on it before we move on. With there being almost no opposition to this technology for this next bull market, let's talk price targets for Bitcoin. Mark Yusko has said, when these ETF products are approved, $300 billion worth of buying power is going to come into the market. I don't see any selling pressure until at least $70,000 all-time high. Where do you see the first price level where we could see some real selling and real resistance from the institutions who are, who are um, what's the word I'm looking for? Collecting Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's anyone's guess. I think what's going to happen, sadly, is a lot of people who bought the top at 60, 50, you know, 69, 60,000, 60, they're all going to get out because they're just going to be happy. The, the mentality, remember what I told you about the market? It's playing on your emotion. And your emotion is, hey, I just want to get my money back and get out. And that's what's going to happen. You're a good chunk. They're going to sell 69. They're going to be happy to get out. <laughs> it's going to skyrocket past that. And it's like, damn, I should have held. So if you're paying attention, if you're watching and you bought, if you're in this chat and you bought at 69, don't, don't sell at 69. Again, I'm not financial advisor. I'm not financial advisor. But I think we're going much, much higher abs. I do think six figures is possible for Bitcoin. I'm not gonna sit here and predict the timing that's not what i do and i'm not you know i don't i i I myself as as we think about it i know this i know we're gonna break six figures when we're gonna break it i don't know but i'm not gonna sit here and even if i was at the top i wouldn't want to sell just to break even when based on where we're going where this thing is happening but a lot of people bought because they were just told to they heard it on news. They heard it was great. They got into it. They, they're not paying attention like we're listening every single day and understand where the technology is going at. But yeah, I think it's 69. You'll see a lot of sell, a lot of capitulation, a lot of flipping at that point. You'll probably see some on the way up to it too because a lot of people were buying at 15 and 20. And people are happy with a 2 and 3X, right? So go ahead, Andrew. Floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, yeah I want, want to say something in, in perspective. The last boring or in the boring in uh, uh, December 2017, 
we saw a top of 20,000. Then it took about uh, uh, till December 2020 till the price of Bitcoin again reached the 20,000. Guess how many weeks did it take to 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 go over the barrier of 20,000? It was. Um, about, let me guess, 100 weeks. And it was about three weeks. Oh, whoops! In <laughs> three weeks time, it 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 hits the first time more or less the 20k on the 24th of November. And then it took till uh, the 16th of December to break out above the, 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 the 20K. So this is how fast it can go. If the boring really kicks in, you know, that there will be sellers. And I, I agree with, with Johnny at 69 or uh, 68, 70, around that level. I think it will be uh, 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 more or less a couple of weeks. And then we will break through. And then we will make... To my opinion, at least a 2x from this uh, uh, 68. And Gonzo, this is what's really exciting. Yeah. Andrew talks about what happens when we break all-time high. Well, we're on the road to breaking all-time high right now. And look at what we've done just over the last one month for Bitcoin. Started off in September at 26,000. It's been nothing but bullish momentum. And anybody who's been following the mainstream news knows Jim Cramer called for a Bitcoin pullback. And we've seen nothing but upward price action since. But with that being said, what's on your mind? Um, yeah, so I, I mapped this out on one of our calls, or the update call that we have in the, in the uh, academy. And so the downtrend is 51 weeks from all time high to usually our low comes in at 51 weeks. Then we get the lateral sideways movement where we go up, down, up, down. Uh, that's 96 weeks. And then the, the interesting part that I went back to 2013, that the uptrend after that 96 week period, right, is somewhere between 62 and 63 weeks. That's where we go from sideways to our all-time high. And then the cycle repeats itself. I went all the way back to 2013. And so when you do the math on that, where does that put us? That puts Bitcoin making its all-time high in November of 2025. Gonzo, and that makes perfect sense when you tie it up with narratives, when you look at four-year cycles. November 20, November of 2025 is set to be the peak of the next bull market. And think about where we are today, guys. Every single person in our live chat has an advantage right now. You know something 99% of people don't, which is that this market is about to come back in full effect, and we are getting all of the warning signs right now. But we got 466 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, we got a ton of exciting news prepared for today. But I want to ask you, my friend, Chainlink is another technology that has been pumping in the market over the last couple of weeks. And this is a token I am very excited about covering right now. An update between Swift and Chainlink as they joined forces in June of 2023. In 2022, a pivotal blockchain partnership was born. As we step into June of 2023, Swift and Chainlink collaboration has achieved a remarkable feat, seamlessly connecting more than a dozen major financial players. What's the magic that's going on here, Johnny? Chainlink's technology is used as a bridge asset, uh, leading to improved interoperability, reduced cost, and increased efficiency for the Swift network. Chainlink's technology will be used as an enterprise abstraction layer to enable securely connect the SWIFT network to blockchain networks, enabling complete interoperability between the source and the destination blockchains. Chainlink is accelerating the adoption of this transformative technology. What is your thoughts on Chainlink? That was pretty much the whole tweet I wrote there, guys. And I want to ask the live chat as well. Chainlink is such an exciting project for two reasons. One, they're attacking a really unique part of this market, Johnny. That's why we love Quant. Chainlink's going after the same thing. Number two, 
they're collaborating with Swift. And I don't care what the Twitter haters say. I don't care what's going on on crypto Twitter. They talk about this collaboration is not a big deal. We're going to connect it to ISO tokens. This collaboration is a big deal. They're, they're, uh, they are becoming a part of the most important conversations and they're doing it with the largest player in the market. Johnny, we're not going to spend too much time here. I'd like to spend about two to five minutes. What do you think about Chainlink and Swift's collaboration? And are you optimistic about the project for 2025? Well, listen, here's the deal. Swift was in a lot of trouble. They saw the XRP was coming. They knew there was cross-border payment solutions coming out. They were coming after their business. Swift had to move fast. They needed to do something quick. And what they did was they married themselves with Chainlink, which was brilliant. They're going to stay relevant and they're going to stay a big player in this game because of the chain link integration that's going to allow them to be able to kind of stay king of the hill, I think, and be able to still maintain a position and transition to the Web 3.0. They're very, very fortunate. Chainlink kind of saved their ass, if you ask me. But nonetheless, so for me, they're absolutely, th this thing puts Chainlink on the map. Link will be here. Link's one of my favorite holdings. Because, A, interoperability is going to be, wow, we're at 10 already. Look at that. I mean, hopefully everybody took a chance. This thing was sitting around four, five, six, seven dollars $7. You know, I know that that was, those are my DCA ranges, like in that lower range. And I hope people were DCA. Shout out to Gonzo. Gonzo, you actually texted me. I don't know if you remember this. In August, I bought Chainlink at about $5 or $6 because you texted me. It was either August or July, so shout out to my man, Gonzo. Yeah, this is definitely one of those where I loved it. And, and we're not going to see this. You know, this thing's all starting to move now. Um, so for the people who, yeah, look at that. I mean, you know, this thing was sitting at 90% pullback again. Talk right? about and, optimism, dude. Look at the price chart here, guys. All-time high, about $51 on the price chart for Chainlink. We just broke out of an 18-month accumulation. Go to the psychology chart that is the stock market, Johnny. That is desperation. That is depression. That is maximum fear. And that's the time to be buying. But Gonzo, floor is yours. Yeah, you know, what, what makes me so bullish about Chainlink is we know about the oracles and how smart contracts need data from the real world to feed the smart contracts. But with CCIP, they're basically, so like when you look at Ripple, right? Ripple is trying to replace Swift, right? So it's trying to replace something. It's trying to create its niche in something new. What CCIP and what Chainlink's doing is it's using the existing infrastructure to build and 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 so that the banks don't have to change anything. They could use the 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 infrastructure that they have now and it's going to allow them to connect to blockchain, right? That's what makes it so powerful because you're going to have some banks that are going to try to do the new, they're going to want the newest toy, the new technology, which they're going to go with XRP and Ripple. And then you're going to have other banks or other institutions that don't want to change anything, right? That they want to, that, that's going to be very intriguing to them to keep the existing infrastructure. They don't have to retrain employees. They can do everything that they're doing now with the Swift messaging, but it's connecting to blockchain, right? And that's what makes it really huge. And I think that's why Chainlink is doing so well, right? You're right on the TA level. We were in this range from like five something, up to like nine, ten dollars, and then we'd go back down, back down, up, down, up, down. Right now that we've broken that major resistance, we're now back testing at a support. If it holds, then all that resistance that we were going up against is not going to be super strong support. So it should hold somewhere around like nine dollars and fifty cents. Uh, but we have to wait to see what happens, right? Because if Bitcoin decides to kind of rip down, it's going to take the altcoins with it. So pay attention to it but um yeah there'll be i wouldn't be chasing price action right now but we will get other opportunities to get into some more link 
Andrew, we got 489 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're trying to test fate this morning. Can we get to 589 for the total viewers? That is up to the live chat, guys. Continue to like and comment. That way we get as many people here as possible. But Andrew Cashflow, Johnny Crypto always says one thing that really sticks out to me. There's a natural migration into better technologies, but what's it about in corporate America? Cheaper, faster, and better, my friend. That's exactly what happened with this SWIFT collaboration. And we are seeing a natural move into better technologies right now. Let's listen to what Brad Garlinghouse had to say about Gary Gensler and his stance on cryptocurrencies. You have video footage of the chair of the SEC as a professor at MIT saying 75% of these digital assets are commodities. And now he says they're all securities because he's the head of the SEC and he's seeking power. He's putting power ahead of sound policy to grow an economy in the United States. You have video. So I think that clip is so relevant to the Swift article because look at what's happening right now. The Swift system is a global system and it's upgrading before our eyes, leveraging Chainlink's technology. What are we doing in the United States? We're debating who gets the free pass, what's a security, what's not a security, how much money can we make in regulating this market? We're in the wrong place right now, Andrew, and I think it's exciting because we have all of these different narratives connecting. I'm going to play one more video from the CLO of Coinbase discussing how in the United States, many of these crypto products are not considered securities. Here we go. Court cases, um, real questions being asked about the U.S. approach to crypto regulation, and in particular, securities regulation. Judge after judge is asking serious questions about the SEC's interpretation of our U.S. securities laws and, frankly, challenging some fundamental points that the SEC has pressed on whether tokens are securities at all. So that's the most important part of the clip right there, whether these tokens are securities at all, Andrew. And this is what's there's no such thing as a coincidence. BlackRock, JP Morgan, Mike Novogratz, Gary Gensler, all of them have become positive about the crypto market. Even Gary Gensler saying ETFs are coming to America. Get ready, guys. Big money will be made. What do you think about all the clips I connected? I'm not sure about the exact question I'm asking here, Andrew, but with all of these narratives changing before our eyes, what gets you most excited about these next couple of months? Actually, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in two camps. I say, on, on one hand, it is fantastic. Everything goes up, 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 because a lot of, uh, a lot of money will flow in and all those major institutions will, uh, will adopt. On the other hand, what I see is the delay tactics that has been done. And not only the delay tactics, but the amount of money that has been burned with lawyers and 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 all those lawsuits. And it, it's actually a sad story that, that when I compare U- Europe with, with the US, then Europe just makes a set of rules. Are we happy with the rules? Mm, maybe, maybe not so much, but it is a set of rules. And and the US only doesn't make any rules, only lawsuits, and they are burning millions after millions with lawsuits. And, and that, that that kind of stuff. It it it's you know it, that that is the double agenda. And what I see more and more, you know, I, you know, I, I like the Gary Gensler a lot because I learned a lot from him from from all those MIT uh, lectures that he gave. But now I see him uh, actually more and more as a marionette of the of the big institutions. They needed time. They needed development time. And you see uh, that's about two years. And in two years, you can develop a lot of IT. And they are catching up now and now the narrative is slowly changing into a more positive feeling and and on the other hand i feel sorry for gary gensler that he has been abused so much in this area you know i I would i would love to to speak with him and and to ask him man how do you feel 
what, what kind of job have you done the last two years? It's 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 insane. You know, Abs, I'll jump in here real quick. When when it's, it's just to try to take the other side of the argument here and be fair, we should go back and look at the time frame. When did he say that? Was it 2017 or something? Brad Garlinghouse? No, no, no. When Gary said that, you know, 75% of the, the market was a commodity. 2019. It was 2019. I, I remember when he was saying it, when you look at the largest market caps of the coins at the time, I believe it was Bitcoin and Ethereum. And that's what he was. So when he says 75%, if you look at the market coin caps, those two, I think, made up for it. I think the way he chose his words was a mistake because he, he grouped the market as a whole rather than looking, you know, talking about them more individually and specifically. So he set himself up for failure. Just the way you say things, unfortunately, sometimes can be used against you. And secondly, remember, I, I honestly believe Gary's in a position being told what to do and he's just doing what he wants, you know, because we've heard him come out and say, you know, he's talked about XRP and how it could be used as a currency and a bridge currency and things like that. Um, and then we've also heard him say it could be security. So, so I, at the end of the day, I think, you know, Certain things being said when you're in one position versus another, of course, that's going to change depending on the seat you're in and the way the market changes as well. But nonetheless, none of it's going to matter because hopefully soon the XRP case, we already know the ruling on that one. And hopefully soon we'll get some regulation out of Congress and be able to put a rest on this whole thing of what, what's really happening here. But I think Bitcoin ETF, when that comes, that's going to kind of help set the market and bring a little stability and credibility to the market. Oops, sorry, let me move that. Four hundred, four hundred and twenty-four episodes of Good Morning Crypto, and my man still can't mute that phone. But we got five hundred twenty-one live listeners joining us. Show us some love. It's part Smash. of the show. My goodness, please mute that thing. Smash that <laughs> like button, please. If you want Johnny to mute the phone, put a one in the live chat. If you think it's funny, put a number two. But Gonzo, we're going to talk about the Ripple automated market maker in our next video. Do you have any closing comments on what we were just discussing? Yeah, you know, you, you could just see the switch of the narrative. It's, you know, when you got Larry Fink from BlackRock going on TV and talking about a flight to quality, and he didn't say Bitcoin, right? He didn't say Bitcoin because sometimes they just say Bitcoin and people get confused and they just link cryptocurrency with Bitcoin. He said cryptocurrency, right? He said cryptocurrency was a flight to quality. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. And as far as Gary Gensler, you know, he politicized it, right? Whatever he was doing when he was at MIT, once he got into the position that, that Elizabeth Warren put him in, he's got to listen to his masters, right? He's got to follow what they tell him, and he's going to go down with that sinking ship. And next year when we have an election and we get a, a change, right, you're going to get someone different. And, and, like, and like we've been talking about on this show is that narrative is going to shift, right? It's going to be a totally different narrative. Right. And Larry Fink is just showing us the way of where that narrative is going, that now it's a quality product. It's no more about terrorists using it or, uh, you know, used for nefarious reasons. It's going to be all for positivity, changing the world, uh, you know, banking the bankless. All of those narratives right, are all going to come in uh, to, to kind of grow this market cap. But keep in mind, it's still very speculative and we're still going to do this. We're still going to go up and down, up and down. It can't go up forever. And the minute that you think or you buy into the bullshit narrative that we're going up to forever, or let's say like in that November timeframe, we're at 100,000, we're at 200, whatever it is, they're going to tell you that we're going to a million dollars. And I promise you, we're not going to a million dollars. This thing's going to roll back over and we're coming back down, right? Because yeah. until we do something different, like those are the cycles, that's what happens.
Guys, it's about the flight to quality right now. And if that headline doesn't sound like it's from the <laughs> That's a, that is the most WEF, World Economic Forum headline ever, guys. Bank the unbanked. This is about the people. Am I right? So let's take away their freedom. But this is what we're discussing right now. The Chamber of Digital Commerce opposes the SEC's overreach in the Binance lawsuit. And the reason this is so important, Johnny, just because we got 500 people here, I'm sure some missed the beginning of the episode. Look at the founding members and part of the uh, committee members here. Binance is a part of the Digital Chamber of Commerce. They're a part of the executive committee. We got Binance, Binance U.S., but it's the other names in this group that really catch my attention. Fidelity, MicroStrategy, Deloitte, Visa. And when we scroll down, we've got Ripple, Stellar. We've got, um, there was another big one in here I was looking for. Wisdom Tree was that other big name. When we scroll down even further, guys, look at this. It doesn't end here. Wells Fargo is a part of this group. And I wish that I was familiar with financial firms. Ava Labs is another big one. All of the biggest financial players, Arrington Capital is in here. I'm sure I could find Fireblocks, which is where Bill Hinman works if I looked hard enough. But think about this thing. <laughs> all of these players are in the public in opposition to one another, right? They're all fighting. They're all battling the SEC. They're trying to figure it out. Are they pro-Ethereum? Are they pro-XRP? Behind the scenes, they're moving us in the same direction. Digital IDs, central bank digital currencies, decentralization being the leading narrative. But in the background, something completely different is happening. And I don't know if you saw the news over the weekend, but the Lightning Network was actually found to have backdoors intentionally placed within the network. So one of their lead developers stepped down. That's another big L for Bitcoin. So I don't know if you heard that. Do you have any comments on the Bitcoin article? Gonzo, you're probably more familiar. Was that true? I mean, I saw the post, but I couldn't verify if that was, you know, actually factual yeah. that they actually did. And, and, you know, and the, and the Lightning Network has had issues since like its inception, right? They just couldn't really get their shit together. Um, but I wasn't sure if that was true or not. Did you verify that story? Here's the only person that I verified it with was the Watcher Guru account. So I, they're credible. They got, they got a few million followers, but we saw what happened with Cointelegraph. Let's, for the sake of right now, move on and cover something that we know is absolutely true. And guys, we got 500 live listeners joining us. Thank you for being here. Smash that like button. Check out this tweet. I saw Digital Perspectives put out this weekend. And this is from the account. Let me cover this. Roku. Two four six nine four three seven five. My friend, if you want followers, gotta have a yeah, short his cell phone number. You gotta have a shorter username. But, but I really like this account. This guy's a great guy from what I see on Twitter. This is a very interesting update. So he found an article titled "Making a Ripple XRP: A Crypt Cryptocurrencies Participating in the ISO Payment Ecosystem for International Transactions." This is a paragraph I'm going to read right here, and we'll kick it to the group. Until recently, the ISO payment system precluded cryptocurrencies from participating. The release of the digital token identifier standard has transformed that, allowing for cryptocurrencies to be recognized as a legitimate currency under the ISO system. Cryptocurrencies accepted into the ISO payment system will gain the ability to be utilized in the international transactions between financial institutions. As a result, ISO recognized cryptocurrencies will achieve higher trade volumes, a historical problem preventing cryptocurrencies from gaining widespread acceptance. Therefore, cryptocurrencies that participate in the ISO system will emerge from the cryptocurrencies bubble. That is some exciting news right there, Gonzo. And for the sake of this, let's focus on the cryptocurrency. Let's not go into Ripple. Let's talk about it broadly. ISO tokens are one of the most misunderstood narratives in the crypto market today. Some people think it's a catalyst of a lifetime. Some people think it's a buy the rumor, sell the news. What we do know is this is happening right now. November of 2023, this massive migration takes place. And it's documents like these that will lead us to believe when that happens, 
prices will go up over time. So what do you take away from this news? I've been saying a lot, and I'm going to kick it to you and Andrew. Sorry, gone. Um, you, okay, yeah. So look, we all know it's a messaging standard, right? It's so they can all get on the same page so they can all communicate, right? Um, and so what we're doing is we're speculating that these ISO tokens that are compliant will have a um, have a role in that world, right? Um, and I think it's a it, it's a good bet to to make, right? Because like like we always say, some of these are going to be winners and some of these are going to be losers, right? And so you have to set yourself up in the best position, whether that's looking at developer activity, is it use case, is it the team? Is it like it's an ISO token because of the ISO messaging standard and what banks are doing, right? It's all, um, you know, kind of our best guess, but compared to something else that doesn't have a utility or a real use case, you know, I'll take that every day. But do we know which one it's actually going to be? I think it's going to be a group of them, right? Um, and it's going to be the ones that have the relationships, the ones that actually has the developer activity or that are actually building something that's going to be used in the real world. Johnny, um, and for the sake of this, I do want to move on because we have, uh, I don't know if you have any pivotal comments. You just got a really good article next. Yeah, just real quick on that one. Well, first of all, apps, uh, there were a lot of number twos in the chat. So we put the phone to rest. People listen, like it. Listen, people a lot of tools, A lot of tools, just saying. But anyway, get <laughs> People Wait. love Johnny Crypto and they don't want to hurt his feelings this morning, but I am a man yeah, of the yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am yeah. a man of the people and the I speak for the group here. Turn off your phone, my friend. Uh, it's already muted. But anyway, um, you know, when you think of the standard, the way to just think about it is it just means those tokens are compliant and they could get chosen to be used or not. It doesn't mean they're gonna. And that's a simple way to put it. I wouldn't think of it any more than that is, hey, basically to be able to do something, you have to be able to meet this requirement. And the coins that have met that requirement, they're going to have a chance to get chosen. They increase the probability of getting chosen. That's about all. It's a game of probabilities. And you just put yourself in a better position to win. But it doesn't mean they're going to win. And that's just that's what I want people to walk away with. Johnny Crypto, one more quick topic here, guys. The SEC has a 3 to 14% chance of success in a Ripple appeal, at least according to a lawyer on Twitter. The SEC has already dismissed the charges against Ripple CEO and executive chair, while the retail XRP sale running also went against the regulator. So, Johnny, what I just want to spend one minute here on this, the SEC has a 3 to 14% chance of a success in the Ripple appeal. That means there is a 97% to an 86% chance of Ripple absolutely dominating the SEC in this case. And what I really want to focus on is this one aspect. The case was dismissed because of a vote that took place at the SEC. SEC chairman, SEC commissioners got together and voted, the six of them, to dismiss this lawsuit. What do you take away from that? The fact that dismissal didn't come from the courts, came from the SEC. Well, that's, that's of course, that's how it works. The SEC were the ones... <laughs> who started the case so they're the ones who get to end the case they're the prosecutor they get to go you know they decide who they're going to go after and who they're well, not. my question really quick my question was don't you think it shows a, a shift in sentiment inside of the sec the fact that the six commissioners got together and voted we got to step away here there's not much to win i mean i i think that if you had polled those six people before they probably would have told you they also wanted to end it sooner but they weren't given the opportunity to vote until I guess Gary went to them and asked them, Hey, let's take a vote on this thing. So my guess is most of them probably already felt that the, you know, especially with losing the front end of the case, 
it makes the back end of the case, and I call the back end meaning, you know, going after Brad and Chris, so much harder that they probably figured, hey, let's put this thing to a vote. Do we stop this here so we can go after something else? And that's what they're going to do, unfortunately. Now they're not going after this. They're going to go after something else in crypto or whatever they're going to go after. They now will have more time and resources to go after their next thing. It doesn't surprise me that they uh, voted to shut it down. It's the right thing to do because they don't have a leg to stand on on the back end of the case. That part's over. And in terms of 3 to 14% chance, with that probability, almost anybody would say, no, just end this case, no appeal, get a paycheck from you know, what they should be talking about right now, if you talk to the attorneys, is they need to figure out what the, the penalty that XRP or Ripple is going to pay for the front end of the case where they lost about XRP being a an institutional, a security for institutional sales. That's all that's really left to figure out here, Abs, is what is the payday for that? And that's probably you know, what they're going to, you know, focus on. You know, and that's an interesting point, Johnny, because I saw, um, we had him on our show uh, from Hoddle Law. Fred, uh, Fred, 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 yeah, yeah, Freddie Riz, yeah, and he was talking about that, like that he thought that you know when they dropped the charges with prejudice, that you know Ripple could have gotten more out of that, right? There's more they could have gotten out of um, that dismissal, right? And so he felt that because they didn't like take their pound of flesh, maybe there's already talks in the work in the background that okay, look, we're gonna drop the charges. Ripple, I'm not going to embarrass you, but this is kind of what we're willing to pay for the fine. So kind of pushing us towards this settlement, right? But the way that the, the ruling came out, and on top of that, the 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 response to the interlocky, interlocker, interlocker three appeal, I can't talk this morning, um, she really locked in what her train of thought was. And really any type of appeal is going to get crushed because she really kind of laid it out in a very con- clear and concise way that just kind of beats any kind of appeal. There's really no room for kind of the back and forth of leaving it open to opinion. She told us what she was thinking uh, once she got that second uh, interlocking appeal um, denial, you know, cause before that, like there was still some room for kind of an opinion of what she was trying to say, but then she told us what she was trying to say. So that kind of just pushed that right out. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we got 467 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Happy Monday to all of the Good Morning Crypto listeners out there. This is what we're going to close the show out on, guys, because the automated market maker for Ripple is an opportunity for XRP holders to make money while holding the cryptocurrency. This is a great video, a little bit long here, three minutes, two minutes, 50 seconds. Well worth the listen. We're going to comment. Here we go. Well, AMM. Uh, as briefly mentioned, stands for automated market makers and uh, uh, AMM algorithms have been widely adopted in uh, decentralized uh, finance, DeFi uh, exchanges or, or DEXs, uh, decentralized exchanges. Um, different from order book based exchanges with uh, AMMs, you don't match a buyer and a, and a seller. So when a trade is, is, is executed, there's, there's no buyer seller pair. Instead, on an AMM, the, uh, the trade is executed according to a conservation function or what we call a bonding curve. So the price between two assets uh, is actually algorithmically determined by this bonding curve. Um, so in that sense, uh, when an exchange user comes in and make a trade, this person is actually not trading with a, with a 
so to speak, trading counterparty, but instead this person's trade is trading against uh, the so-called liquidity pool. And we have uh, on the other side of the story, we have the liquidity providers who are first and foremost pull, uh, put some funds, some liquidity into, into a pool, a smart contract pool. And based on the state or the balance um, of the reserves within the smart contract, the conservation function would automatically calculate what's the what's the next uh, what the exchange rate should be. Um, as such, uh, with AMMs, you can guarantee some kind of uh, this kind of continuous liquidity. So you wouldn't, uh, and when an exchange user comes in, uh, he or she would not be afraid that the order wouldn't be taken because the order will always be taken. Uh, continuously. So Andrew, I want to leave enough time for a response here, but I think what we're seeing right now is a structural change in the crypto market. There's a lot that we can take away from these types of clips, but what I take away from it is we are going to be able to use our XRP in liquidity pools for the automated market maker and make a little bit of income in the process, maybe 3%, 4%, 8% if I'm feeling really optimistic. But what did you take away from this clip before we kick it around the group? Uh, the, the the fun is here that you know I was uh, I was uh, I'm, I'm a lot in staking but I'm also was in, in liquidity providing and actually with liquidity providing what you do you take the other side of the trade so for example you have atom and USDT and you deposit the the, the value of your atom and USDT in a 50 50 balance and that that balance goes yeah up and down and, and because you take the other side of the trade, you hope you, you make some money. But this is a very interesting concept because you do not need a centralized crypto exchange anymore. You can you, you and I and everybody can be a liquidity provider and you can take the role of this uh, of this uh, of this uh, automated market maker. So it's, it's a fantastic concept and we will see this more and more. And especially the more centralized uh, cryptocurrencies exchanges are are regulated the more we will see technological solutions in this way which is this uh, automated market makers and i think it's an excellent an excellent uh, 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 way how to how to proceed and how to also to escape from governmental regulation and get some freedom back you know remember one thing there's risk in the liquidity pools Andrew, oh, yeah. where when you put your money in there's a, a trade-off depending on how it balances. And that's where you can actually lose money in them. And, and I know what she was talking about there was they worked to find a solution to minimize mm-hmm. that risk. I forgot the, the term that they call it when you actually lose. It's like, it's kind of arbitration, the difference in the slashing. Thing. Are you thinking it's slashing? No, it was a different it's word, slashing. but it's, Oh, it's called, uh, um, I know what you're talking about. It'll come in. You know, you know, I'm sorry. We, we, you lose the difference. Yeah. You lose the difference. Yeah. Uh, it, it's called, uh, um, I forgot what they call oh, it. Man, it's on the tip of my tongue. Mine too. I can't get it Continue out. Continue with your point. <laughs> come on, get it out there. But anyway, the point is what they were trying to solve for in their solution apps, which is important is they're trying to, if it comes to you, just spit it out. Gonzo. But they were trying to Probably minimize. Lost. There it is, impermanent loss. Thank that's you. That's the impermanent loss. The impermanent loss is where where you where you, where the risk was, and what they're trying to do with this automated AMM, AMM is to minimize the impermanent loss. And we're out of time here, Abs. But basically, that's what they're trying to do so that they can 
you know, get more and more people to feel confident of investing and putting their money in liquidity pools yeah. to enable this. Thank you guys. And we got 469 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Andrew. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to the Italian stallion himself. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. And we got Kevin Cage joining us this Wednesday.